Hi there. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Girl Above podcast. We are here today again with Virginia Hood, and she is a therapist in private practice in Lone Tree, Colorado. She works with women of all ages, moms and daughters, and with anxiety and depression. Virginia has a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. So last time Virginia was here, we spoke on the issues of shame and vulnerability and how the pressure to be excellent in order to have worth um, kind of fits into just the overall culture of youth today. So hi, Virginia. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Um, If you wouldn't mind just recapping what we talked about last time for listeners who might have missed some of that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple of podcasts ago, I came in to talk about some Brene Brown content. Um, She is so awesome. Um, And she really helped us understand um, this word vulnerability. So she helped us understand a lot about the culture of not being good enough. And it really seems like adolescents today are wrestling with how to believe they are enough in a culture that says they must be extraordinary. Um, and this, this not enough mentality is so, so prevalent in adolescent culture today. Um, and in, in a culture that has so many pressures and that constantly fosters this sense of not good enough, living from this place of worthiness, um, as Brene Brown would call it, um, living from a place of worthiness and groundedness, both spiritually and emotionally, is really essential, but also really hard to do because we have all this cultural messaging around us that constantly tells us we're not pretty enough, we're not thin enough, um, we're not smart enough, or what have you. Right. Um, so yeah, that that culture that calls us to be extraordinary can be really, really damaging. Right. So with that, you are going to walk us into some other very valuable content that kind of piggybacks off of what we did last time. And we're going to be talking about why it's so important, specifically for the parents of teenagers, to know their own story and be well acquainted with their past and how it fits into how they might be parenting. Yeah, absolutely. So today, it's time for us to kind of deal with our own sense of worth, our own sense of identity, so that we can model health for ourselves, so that you can model health for yourself and invite your daughters into the same So, um, just kind of, again, as a recap with vulnerability, vulnerability really involves relationship. It involves showing up. It involves taking off the mask and letting ourselves be seen. Again, some of this coming from Brene Brown. Um, it means giving up our, this mentality where we have to perform for others, where we have to perfect ourselves and we have to please others. Um, and actually living from a place of vulnerability feels super scary and takes a lot of courage because our society has not taught us that it's okay to feel our feelings and it's okay to, to be ourselves. Um, and living vulnerability really involves living from a place that recognizes our worth because your daughters are never going to be able to recognize their own worth if we're not living from that place of groundedness and our own worth ourselves. Um, so just as um, these adolescents or just as your daughters need this willingness to be vulnerable, to know her own identity and worth and to have access to her own emotions, so do you as moms and as parents. So that's where, where we are going today. So I want to start off um, by um, just 
reading you guys basically this quote. I have a counselor friend in Nashville, Tennessee, and her name is Melanie Rogers. And um, she is an awesome counselor and friend. And I'm just going to quote her because she's way smarter than I am. And, (laughs) And she just says it so well. So she says, teenagers are amazingly adept at stumbling upon and bringing to the surface their parents' own need for healing and restoration. Teenagers are like soldiers stumbling through a minefield with clown shoes on, never missing an opportunity to trigger their parents' own unfinished business. A parent's emotional reactivity, impulsive behaviors, and distorted perceptions of their child may all be indicators that point to the parent's unresolved and leftover issues. It's good stuff. It is good stuff, but it's also really convicting. So I don't want to like, I don't want to set us up for thinking that like any conflict with your daughter is automatically your own unfinished business. Right. (laughs) But today, today we are focusing more on the role, like you said, the role of your own story in, in your parenting and in your motherhood. So I want to play off this minefield metaphor a little bit, um, so when we kind of talked about this content at our at one of the mom's gatherings um, a few months back, I included an image of this. I mean, just imagine um, it's you and your family or you and your daughter kind of tiptoeing through this minefield or this lava field, and you never really know when the triggers are going to go off. Um, and so right under the surface, if you're actually thinking about like a minefield or a lava field, like right under the earth's surface. Um, there are these surface issues that moms and daughters always tend to fight about or that families tend to fight about. Um, these surface issues normally look like, you know, fighting about grades, sports, scheduling things, chores, like cleaning your room, friend issues, um, you know, stuff like that. So there are these surface issues that we tend to get kind of stuck in. And so frequently, um, this is why I love that like minefield metaphor, because so frequently we set off a mind that we don't even like know that there are deeper issues under the surface. So these, these surface issues that we tend to fight about tend to be cyclical. Like if it feels like, you know, you're getting in the same argument with your daughter, like every single week gets really old. Well, um, normally the reason why that doesn't, you know, fighting about grades or fighting about, um, chores or discipline or being grounded or cleaning your room or whatever, um, you normally go in circles. And the reason that sometimes that goes in circles and doesn't get resolved is because there are deeper issues under the surface issues that we're really, really dealing with. Um, so last podcast, when I was here, at least a couple of podcasts back, we did identify some of those core issues underneath with Brene Brown's help. So issues like, um, vulnerability, trust, acceptance, control, um, underlying issues like shame, identity, purpose. So a lot of times we're, it's like we're working out these deeper issues on like using those surface issues. Um, and so it's really important as a mom, um, and I would say as a human being in general to do a little bit of self-examination to see what those deeper, deeper core issues are underneath. Cause a lot of times we're operating out of those parts of ourselves without even knowing it. And we aren't integrated on these deeper levels. So that's what this minefield is. We're seeking wholeness, we're seeking healing and we're seeking restoration at this deeper level. So what might that look like? I'm just thinking of 
you know, potentially a mom who's hearing this going, oh my gosh, am I triggering my daughter? Am I, you know, the issue? Or what does it mean for my daughter to trigger me? What are we talking about minefield? Can you give us kind of an example for what this might look like? Yes, totally. Great question. We got to make this concrete. Um, so I actually have an, ex- an example, kind of a funny example from my own life. Um, I do not have children yet, but um, I just, my husband and I just got a dog. We brought a dog home from a shelter like last week. So this is all very right. fresh for so me. You, some people would say you do have children. <laughs> right. It kind of feels like Yes, it. you're dog baby. Yes, I'm a dog mom. Um, so... Anyways, so just the other day, we're taking her for, like, training at the shelter where we got her, and um, she started, at this training, she started getting, like, really rambunctious, like, running around all over the place, and um, and I was talking to the trainer, and I'm like, okay, look, this is a great example of, like, I don't know what to do with this behavior of hers. And he was, he kind of asked me, he's almost like a, he's definitely like a dog therapist or something because <laughs> he probed a little bit further and he went, he was like, okay, so what's that about? What, what do you like, what's going on inside of you? And I was like, and the emotion really hit me so unexpectedly. And I, I just all of a sudden thought, oh my gosh, I'm really scared because I had these memories of being really, really frightened as a kid around dogs. Um, so not to like totally exaggerate that, but I do think I might have like some kind of little T trauma going on from, um, from my past with dogs. And when my dog gets really, really, um, rambunctious, it really scares me because it it makes me feel really out of control on the inside. I don't know how to, I don't know how to control that behavior. I don't know how to even interact with that behavior. Um, so that's a good example of me. Like at that point, I, I kind of stepped back and I went, oh, wow, like this is so much more about me than my dog, Right. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really funny, but it was just, I thought it was a good, it, it's a good example of going, of checking in with yourself and going, oh gosh, maybe there are some, some deeper issues going on here. Because if I then react out of that frightened place, um, and get mad at her or punish her or act inappropriately to her, that, um, that's really not the direction we want to go because that's not about the dog. That's about my own kind of quote unquote unfinished business. Right. It's essentially stepping back and asking yourself the real question of why you feel triggered in some way. Yes. And then reacting appropriately towards that rather than just, um, reacting immediately to the behavior that you're seeing. Right. Because once you can attend to your own emotion in some of those moments, that actually frees you up to like give the dog slash child (laughs) what they actually really need. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, um, just think of kind of your own instances where there might be some heightened emotion there. Um, or if you feel like you're overreacting a ton, um, that's a good signal that maybe, maybe you can look inward, um, and kind of learn to attend to your own emotional space in that instance rather than, um, reacting so heavily. That's awesome. So I heard you say, give them what they really need. So when we're talking about teenage girls, this is such a tough age group. What is it that they really need? Yes, that is a great question. Um, so again, going back to my counselor friend, Melanie, um, she wrote this article and I'm just going to quote her again because it just, she says it so much better than I ever could. So she argues that your teenager's biggest need is not for their pain to be fixed. 
Your teenager needs you. They need you to help hold their pain by being emotionally present. And we're going to talk about what all of this means. Um, but they need you to help hold their pain by being emotionally present so that you can actually see and think clearly to help your teenager navigate the stormy seas of adolescence because we all know that adolescence is a really, really tough time. So um, if you're struggling as a parent, that definitely means your daughter is struggling. Um, there's so much like we've talked about in the culture that just makes it so hard to be a teenager these days and to be in middle school and high school. So what does being emotionally present actually mean? We're going to get into some of this content, um, in future podcasts, but in short, being emotionally present means giving your teen permission to feel their own feelings without being shamed, judged, or abandoned. So many adolescents I see in my practice as a therapist, um, they just don't feel heard by their parents. They feel like their parents don't understand and they feel like their parents don't listen to them. Um, and in order for, in order to be truly present to an adolescent or to a kid, we really have to have access to our own feelings and we have to know the landscape of our own minefields so that we can be free enough and self-aware enough to know where they end and where we begin. So like in my dog training example, I all of a sudden went, oh gosh, this isn't about my current dog anymore. This is actually, this is actually about some, some past baggage that I'm bringing into this relationship with my new little puppy. Um, <laughs> and that frees me up enough once I can attend to myself and bring that self-awareness piece in that actually frees me up enough to go, okay, I have now attended to myself. I've taken care of myself and I can actually give the dog what she needs now and, and react appropriately. Um, so like I said, in the future, we will talk more about what it means to be emotionally present, why that's important. And we'll set you up with some tools and skills to actually be able to do that with your, with your daughter. Um, but the theme of this podcast is, okay, we've got, is, is how to put your oxygen mask on first, um, kind of as a parent, you know, in, in airplanes when, you know, you're always supposed to put your own oxygen mask on first in moments of emergency or crisis before you help another person. Um, so yeah, because having your own identity rooted and being emotionally grounded are two of the best things you can actually, you can really do for your daughter. So today in essence, we're talking about which parts of your challenge as a parent have to do with your daughter and potentially have to do with your own story and your identity. So if you are new to this thought of, um, I don't want to say self-awareness, but really looking into your own story as a parent and how it relates to your parenting of your teen. Virginia, what does it look like to know our own stories and what does it actually mean when you say that? Yeah, totally. I feel like, um, yeah, the word story has kind of gotten thrown out. Um, I've seen that in the culture too, which is awesome that um, people are looking at their own lives and becoming more self-aware and becoming more aware of their stories. But you're right. That's a good question. What does that actually mean? Um, so your story, I'm going to, I'm going to argue is sort of like the landscape of your minefield. So um, everyone has a story and just as God's written word is one grand story, one big story. There are lots of smaller stories that make up the larger story. So um, to use God's grand narrative, there is creation, there's a fall, 
there's failure, there's mess, there's sin, but there's also redemption. And all of this culminates in the new heavens and the new earth. So that's what I mean when I talk about like the grand narrative of scripture or God's grand narrative. And our lives are really similar. Um, so we have distinct stages of life and development, and we have lots of smaller stories that, when added up over time, likely have pretty similar themes. So knowing your own story means taking a more intentional look at your life and taking a more intentional narrative look at your life. So looking back um, big picture to go, okay, what are these, what are the smaller stories that make up the story of my life? What were the key moments? Um, what stories, what themes, what plot is God creatively writing my life to reveal? And this takes some, some effort and some self-reflection, but I think those are such exciting questions. Um, I love just self-discovery and um, discovering God and, and kind of his, his work within our hearts and within our own lives and stories. Um, and then when we take kind of the smaller stories, how does this actually, how do, how do our smaller stories actually point to the larger story? How does this mirror the grand narrative of creation, fall, and redemption? Because we're constantly, I mean, we've lived life long enough to know that we are constantly falling and getting back up and being redeemed. Um, but so often we want to skip to, we want to skip to like the redeemed part. The shiny part. Exactly. Without yeah. going through the struggle. But it's really through the struggle um, where we're, where we're really formed. Um, so one author that I love with this topic is Dan Allender. So he's written a lot on story. Um, and he says that we've all faced times when we recognize anew that we are called to a journey that will shape us and change us. This journey has the potential to heal us or to harden us, but suffering need not destroy the heart. It has the potential to lead to life. Um, so it's really, it's really the struggle that shapes and molds us. Um, and pain is a heart pain and struggle and suffering are, I mean, I know we're getting deep here. <laughs> um, it, it's a hard thing to swallow, but it's, it's really through the struggle, um, where we are shaped and where we are molded. So, um, we really want you guys as we're talking here to begin thinking, thinking about, and we'll give you some questions and some prompts here soon, um, before wrapping up, um, to really think, gosh, what is, like, what is the struggle that has shaped me? What were those key milestones and moments? Where, where were the peaks? Where were the valleys? Where were the triumphs and victories as well? Um, and, and so Dan Allender, just to continue that thought, he really asks us, how will we allow ourselves to be shaped by our pain? I think that's such a huge, just key question. Um, because we can, like pain can harden us right? Um, or it can lead us to more redemptive space. Um, and listening to our story is one way that we can allow our hearts to be shaped by our pain. And something that I think is important to note is that um, we're talking about the story in relation to that minefield. So your story being made up of some of those seasons of pain and hardship and trial mm -hmm. and to know those things, you mentioned how important it is to know them. Mm -hmm. If you don't know them, you don't know when your kids are poking them. If exactly. you don't know what they are. 
Exactly. And so you don't know when those things are kind of creating tension. Yeah. So if we look at that from that concept, what's really at stake if we don't allow the for this process to happen of, first of all, being aware of our areas of pain and then also being shaped by pain? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you just touched on it. I think um, we risk reacting and taking our unhealthy coping mechanisms and lack of self-awareness. We end up taking that out on our daughters sometimes. Um, So just like going back to my dog example, I could, like I said, I could have lashed out at her. I could have gotten really angry at her of her out of control behavior going, you know, just like hating on her of going like, this is inappropriate. This is not okay. We got to get this under control, like freaking out and not actually knowing how to use the tools and strategies that I actually need to actually calm her down. Um, so normally what happens, you get reactive, your kid gets defensive and everything escalates from there. So then you're both in a state of just super hyper arousal. I call it getting in the red zone. So you're both in the red zone and like nothing ever gets accomplished in the red zone. Um, we are not thinking with our rational brains in the red zone. (laughs) We're, we're just reacting. And a lot of times, a lot of damage is done. We can hurt one another. We can say things that we don't mean. Um, and things can just get escalated from there. So I think that's really what's at risk. It doesn't, it doesn't make anything better. And then there can actually be long-term harm done. So when we haven't, we haven't, if we haven't dealt with our own shame or feelings of inadequacy, we could, without even knowing it, um, be shaming our daughters, which actually really harms them for their future development. And so what you're really saying is not dealing with those areas of shame. Like, I mean, it obviously affects how you're going to communicate and discipline your kid, but the more you practice dealing with those areas of being self-aware over time, it just will mold how you respond. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it'll just help your relationship by nature because yeah. you're less reactive when those minefields get essentially stepped on. Yeah, totally. Because when when you're able also to model healthy behavior, when I work with moms too, they'll I can I can see when they're starting to like get this a little bit more and put it into practice and it actually kind of shocks their daughters. Like when they start choosing health for themselves, it's almost like the daughters are like, "Oh, like what what do I do with Wait that?" Yeah, lady? so it's a really <laughs> good opportunity to just model that for your daughters and then um obviously they can they can use that as a catalyst to change their own behavior as well. Um so just a few more words on, on this story piece. So it's really the struggle and it's the adversity in our own lives that really shape us. Um, there's this quote, I think it's by an anonymous author, but that adversity introduces us to ourselves. Adversity really shows us what we're made of. Um, and it, and it's also where God works powerfully in our hearts and minds. Um, and life, as we know, Life is not all about peaks. There are valleys too. Um, and sometimes we so badly want to ignore the adversity of our own stories. We want to numb the pain and just keep going. I mean, who wants to, who wants to like sit down and look at their own shame? Like that doesn't sound fun. Um, and it's just easier. It's easier to, 
to just really focus on the other and try and fix the other and try and mm -hmm. look at our, look at your daughter and, and believe that she's the problem. Right. Um, but families are, families are systemic. Families are a system that have patterns of relating and patterns of dysfunction. All families have patterns of dysfunction. Um, and so it's harder to kind of look at that, um, than, than to just numb the pain, just keep going. Um, but I really think when you close yourself off to this, process, you actually close yourself off to feeling true joy as well. So it is a journey that is so, so worth it. Um, and just to kind of making, just to kind of make it like a little bit more concrete for you guys in terms of looking at your own story. So we want to listen to both heartache and hope, um, that are kind of, as Dan Allender says, etched into our life narrative. So naming your story involves admitting pain, loss, and injustice of the past and wrestling with, with the author of our stories, ultimately the God that we believe in, when we don't like our own stories or those, the stories of our daughters, when, when we really don't want the narrative that's being handed to us, um, really being able to wrestle with that. So a good focus for today, um, as you, as you guys listen here, is on those elements of your story and life that actually impact your mothering. Um, so this is really just like, this is a, this is a big topic. So we really just want to get you thinking and we really just want to kind of plant the seed. Um, and we'll, we'll pose a lot, pose some questions that you can take, take home with you. So, um, when and how did your brokenness and struggles come about? What was the plot of your own adolescence? So when you think about a narrative, when you think about literature, we have characters, right? So these are the people, both major and minor, who make an appearance in the story. Um, you've got to consider the plot. Um, all good stories have a plot. They have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end. And then they also have struggles. So life, by definition, involves tension. We're wired to grow, and all growth takes us beyond our comfort levels. So when and how, like I said, when and how did your brokenness and struggles come about? What was the plot of your adolescence? And what did that tell you about your worth? Further questions could be, how do your struggles, either past or present, intersect with your daughter's current struggles? And what do you fear your daughter's quote-unquote plot will be. And if you're interested in more on this topic of story, like I said, Dean Allender is a great author. He's written a book called To Be Told, um, which is where um, I got kind of this information about characters, plot, things like that. He's, he just sets it up so well, and there's a I think there's like a journal guide that can accompany it. So if you're looking for more um, specific ways to engage your own story, that book is a great way to do it. Great. Um, we really do encourage you to dive into those questions and in a really serious way, give them some time, give them some focus, because if there's anything that Virginia and I know in working with adolescent girls, it's that their moms have so much influence in their lives. So yeah. you taking the time to do this work and answer those questions will really reflect to your daughter that you care about her and care about your relationship. And so just an encouragement to take some time with those. But um, today we have spent a lot of the content time focusing on you as a mom and your story. So next time we want you to look, look forward to being equipped with tools for 
empathy and how to be a better listener and ultimately helping your daughter feel heard. So we hope that you tune in for that. And Virginia, we just thank you so much for coming. Anytime we get to work with Virginia, I feel so just lucky, I think is the word she helps with. Yeah, she (laughs) helps with all of our mom's gatherings and those have been amazing events. So if you want to connect with Virginia and get more information about her, her background, or just see how you or your daughter can get connected to what she's doing in her private practice, that will be over at virginiahoodcounseling.com. And on her website, you'll be able to find her email address and a bunch of other fun goodies. And then if you have suggestions about podcast content, anything else that we can support you as far as Girl Above goes, just head on over to girlabove.com and connect with us over there. So thanks for coming in today, Virginia. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Um, We will touch base with you guys next time. See ya.